guys, this is Nick. In the name of the FC Schalke Nofia team, I want to congratulate you on your 100th episode. Thanks for supporting us in the U.S., and hopefully there will be many more episodes of your podcast in the future. Glück auf! Blau und weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute. Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Welcome to episode 104 of the Schalke Mera Podcast. This is, I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Uh, joining me on the show, as always, is Jack Mangan. Jack, I'm always changing things up and messing myself up. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you to our listeners for bearing with us um, on our unexpected one-week hiatus. I, I went back from Wisconsin back to the Chicagoland area to uh, to grab some cold weather gear because, uh, well, winter had, had, had arrived in Wisconsin at 66 today, which is kind of strange in November. But anyway, um, ran into some issues at the apartment, had some water damage and everything. So I was delayed in getting back up to Wisconsin where all my podcast gear and my computer was. So I apologize about that, but we're back in the saddle and ready to roll. We are back in the saddle, and yeah, I was busy as well. So yeah, we are. Uh, we both had to take a little time off, but we are back. And uh, we had three games uh, during this whole time. Uh, we had played Stuttgart, Schweinfurt, and of course uh, this past weekend with Mainz. Um, so really, you know, let's get off with a start with uh, what happened with uh, what happened at Stuttgart, I should say. Um, game started uh, quick for us. Uh, the the youngster Malik Tiao gets a goal in the 30th minute. A wonderful header. Puts us in the lead going into halftime, one nothing. Uh, great start by the team. Unfortunately for us, um, Salif Sane decided to stick his hand out to help out uh, Stuttgart apparently, and uh, drew a penalty or caused a penalty uh, that led to a Gonzalez goal from the in the 56 minutes by the penalty spot. Uh, the game would end one one. I think uh, in that game in particular, Jack, uh, the Sane handball dominated the game. Well, I should say Frederick Renault, who continues to be our best player, uh, probably dominated that game. But uh, the, <laughs> that handball, uh, which is going to be a theme in this podcast, reared its ugly hand, I guess. It did. It did. Uh, we had a chance to to grab our first win of the season. And unfortunately, um, that play cost us in the end, um, which has been a recurring theme multiple times this season with, with some unfortunate um, penalties given away by our center backs in particular at times. But um, if I remember correctly, I, I think that that first half against Stuttgart was, was at that point, I think the best half of football we had played. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not just because of the, of the goal, but I thought, you know, we, we looked significantly better, which was promising too, because Stuttgart's had a decent start to the season. They're in the top 10, I believe at the moment still yeah. um, nice goal by Chow. Uh, I mean, good delivery, great header. Um, what are your thoughts on him overall? So far, on the couple appearances that we've seen him, obviously with uh, Ozan Kabak being being suspended, uh, some moments of uh, a lot of uh, potential with him. You know, you, you see things and you're like, okay, I like what I'm seeing. He has some moments where he like stands up to the ball defensively, but then there's other moments where he looks like he's young and he's and, and making unnecessary plays or, or I guess uh, naive plays, and he's not used to. So I think that'll come with time. But we've seen a lot of upside from him. Obviously, the goal. I mean, he probably has just as many goals via header as Nastasic does, who's been here forever. Um, but uh, he, he's had some good and some bad. But uh, I, I've been impressed with him, and uh, and it's someone who I want to see more of, for sure. How about you? Yeah, I think that's a fair appraisal overall. Um, you know, it definitely has had some some sketchy moments here and there, but I think for his age and relative inexperience, um, he's come into the team in a moment of need and, and looked relatively convincing. Um, I, I think you would probably say he looked better than Stan Bowie did, certainly. Um, in the small sample size that we've had of both these players this season so far. Um, and obviously the offensive contribution there against Stuttgart is a positive as well. But um, it, that made me feel better in the sense that we know that if we, we have an injury um, to one of these guys, as it has been the case quite frequently over the past couple of seasons, we've had a lot of issues with staying healthy back there, um, that he can he can slot in and, and, and do a job and not be you know some massive liability for us. So that was definitely a positive. And I think the game overall was a positive for us. Uh, obviously, at the time, uh, Stuttgart was were in fifth place, and so it's obviously a, a top half table team. And we played them pretty well, like you said. First half was really excellent, I thought. Second half, 
Stuttgart started, you know, getting more and more to the game, taking over, obviously, as you would when you're losing in the game, you're trying to get back into it. You're going to start dominating possession. But I thought uh, Frederick Renov was played brilliantly, had some great saves in that game. Uh, he's had, <laughs> since he's been with us, I think he's making great saves after great saves in every game. So um, he's really keeping the team in it. And I think uh, it's going to be hard, even if we wanted to keep him. I mean, other teams are going to start seeing what he's doing for Schalke and uh, he's going to be a hot commodity, I think, come end of the season. I believe he just got called uh, for Danish international duty, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how often he was getting called up to the senior team before, but certainly is at the moment. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if his performances in a shock kid have had something to do with that. Yeah, he's been he's been great overall. I think he made some big saves in this minds game as well, which we'll talk about. Um, the one thing I did find interesting from the from the Stuttgart game was just that I felt like the reaction to that draw online was significantly more negative than the reaction to the mind straw. I thought the Stuttgart game was a step in the right direction and a positive, and I was feeling yeah. okay about things after that. Um, and I was a little bit, I mean, especially considering how well Stuttgart's played so far this season. Um, I was slightly more frustrated with how the Mainz game went, given the level of our opponent. And I felt like people were overwhelmingly positive about this one, just because they were blaming everything on the, on the official, which fair enough. But, um, anyway, it, the point, the point is we've gotten points in three of our last four Bundesliga games now still no wins, which is the main thing and, and endlessly getting draws. Um, you know, mixed in 50-50 with losses is not a winning formula, and that's going to see you in a bad part of the table come the end of the season. But the point is we've stopped that massive skid that we were on, um, and even though we may be treading water to some extent at the moment, you're seeing things slowly turn around. So obviously we need to capitalize that and make sure that gets realized um, because otherwise it's just it's false hope. But um, I, I do think that Manuel Baum has demonstrated that he's, he's calmed the team down a little bit. Um, and is, is slowly making progress. And I, I love his active coaching on the sideline. Um, can't always understand what he's saying, but uh, I mean, you can hear him constantly. He's, he's not sitting on the bench. He's off his feet on the side, giving instruction, coaching, trying to you know teach these guys and, and turn things around. And I, I really appreciate that about him so far. Yeah, and it's funny that you know what you said about the, the general consensus of the reaction between you know Stuttgart game and the Mainz game because I had the opposite reaction almost maybe not quite to that extent but I definitely thought it was a positive what they had against Stuttgart it was a better team yeah a, a by far better team and we played toe to toe with them we and we we earned that point I thought uh, we could have came away with a victory obviously the handball which has become a theme again again tonight uh, we if we figure that out maybe we have a better chance of getting results going down going down the line uh i like your take about you know maybe just taking our defenders and tying their hands behind their back or something you know because it's it seems to be in the wrong place at the wrong time or at the right time i got depending how you look at it uh but yeah uh if we had not much time to uh think about that game because we had to go on to against uh in the pokal our first matchup in the pokal against Schweinfurt, the team who we thought we were going to play originally then it got changed and then it went back to the Schweinfurt. so uh, the game did not start out well for us. Um, obviously, we don't have much confidence, and it did things did not help in the 37th minute. Toman uh, gets a goal, a, a really a move against us. You know, we talked about Malik Tiao, the good and the bad. This is one of the bads. One on one against Toman, he makes a nice move and gets the goal past uh, Ralph Fairman. One nothing early in the game, and you're thinking, okay, here we go. Where's the confidence? But uh, two minutes later, Shaka would respond. Uh, the, the, the aging veteran Ibisevic gets a goal in the 39th minute, makes it 1-1. Uh, the continue, uh, continuation of the attack by Schalke. Uh, Alessandro Schof, uh, he would get a rebound goal in the 44th minute to make it 2-1 going into halftime. Um, that's a good way to react after being down a goal or late, in the second, late in the first half, I should say. Uh, but when we thought we might be getting a little comfortable, we gave away a penalty. Sané, again, with a giving away a penalty. Uh, this time, though, Fairman comes up big, makes a huge save. That ended up being the, probably the game changer for us because had they tied it, who knows where it would have gone. You know, a couple minutes later, uh, or several minutes later, I should say, that, you know, eventually Pshaka would you know, get some control. Alessandro Schroff in the 81st minute would make it 3-1. And then to cap things off, uh, Benito Roman, the 86th minute, makes it 4-1. Uh, Schalke win, again, another penalty, a stupid penalty by the defense that – uh, could have been a game changer. Luckily, Ralph Fairman, uh, our, our legend of a goalkeeper, uh, saved the day for us in that one. So I actually I didn't watch this match, and it's the first Schalke match, competitive Schalke match that That's I haven't why we watched won. in a note. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's 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 the first game I haven't watched in a number of years. I was having issues finding it on the day online, and then I just I didn't go back. But um, yeah, I, I'm kind of glad I didn't. 
at least live because the first 20 something minutes of that game from what I could tell by the conversation on Twitter I mean, I would have just hated that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, I mean, because it, it yeah. looked like it was not going well for a while. A fourth tier um, team, by the way. Yeah, yeah, especially you know that that first goal that they scored, um, a little bit too easy. Yeah. For yeah, I mean, not 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 you know not to not to be mean to these guys in terms of what their quality is, um, but you know, dif- disappointing that they're walking through a Bundesliga defense like that. But um, ultimately, turned it around and got the result that you needed, and. Um, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. Doesn't matter what competition it is. We'll take wins wherever we can get them at the moment. We'll take goals wherever we can get them at the moment because the goals in particular, I, I, I feel like you feel it with the team every time they score. It just lifts them up so much at the moment more than it typically would just because um, they've been so short on them recently and that belief isn't there that they can really do that. And I, I feel like if we can just kind of keep that going, eventually it, it, they're going to see some more confidence in the final third in front of that. So positives overall. I agree. I, you know, people want to say, oh, it's a fourth tier team, but goal's a goal. We ended our, our winless streak. Uh, how many months was it? So we've got, got a win. A win's a win. I don't care. Uh, it'll breed any kind of confidence we can get. And we can, we'll, we'll talk about going to the Mines game, how that affected. But uh, oh, like I said, I'm going to take the win. I thought Alessandro Schoep had a pretty good game overall, two goals in this one. Um, and uh, Ralph Fairman, what more can you say? I mean, saved a huge penalty for us that could have, you know, saved us from embarrassment, really. So, we win 4-1 into Bocal. Our next matchup is against Ohm, I believe. Uh, I think I saw the draw yesterday was. Um, so I believe that's our next opponent. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, we did have another matchup. Uh, and this one is, of course, is Mainz that we talked about. We can get a little bit deeper into this. Uh, let's get into the starting lineup first uh, against Mainz. So Mainz came out with a, uh, I guess, a 4-2-3-1. Uh, Zentner and goal. And then they had a back four of St. Just, Kilian, Niakate, and Brzezinski. Uh, in the mid, in the two holding midfield positions, you had Barrero and Latza, and then the three attacking midfielders of Burkhardt, Fernandez, and Botius. Up top, of course, you had the big man Mateta. We came out with a, uh, I guess, a three-one-four-two Jack. I mean, I guess you can depends how you look at it. Uh, in goal, Frederick Renov again uh, getting the start in the Bundesliga with back three this time. We had Kabak, the return of him with Sane and Nastasic. Uh, the holding midfield position was Omar Mascarell, and then the attacking options were Ludwig, Ochipka, Harit, and, and Alessandro Schof. And then up top, you had Mark Ut and Paciencia. So uh, what did you make of the lineups for both of these squads uh, going into this one? Yeah, so Schalke, I mean, there's, there's a number of different ways that you could cr- try to label the formation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's definitely fluid and changes in different phases of the game. I, I think the one that would be useful for this particular match is, is sort of like a 3 3 2 2. So you have the back three, and then you have the, the wingbacks making another bank of three uh, with Mascarell being the deep midfielder. And then the, the, the two midfielders alongside him sort of form this like box with the two strikers. Um, and, and that's kind of the shape that I noticed the most often, um, particularly um, <clears throat> going forward and actually did some interesting things for us at times, which we can talk about later. Um, but uh, yeah, interesting to see Alessandro Schupp, uh get into the midfield. I've been really skeptical of him as a central midfielder um, in the past. I, I don't think that's his his best role, but right. he's kind of been out lost in the wilderness. I think in this team a little bit the last like year or so. Like he doesn't get that many minutes. He's kind of being moved around a little bit, and so it's difficult to kind of nail him down. Um, I, I think you're right, though. I think that performance against Schweinfurt maybe, um, you know, caught Manuel Baum's eye, and he wanted to. Toss him in there again, and you know, overall decent game from Schuffin against Mainz, I think. So that was that was interesting. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Mark Uten Gonzalo Paciencia, which I think is the uh, the pairing up top that most people want to see, um, at least right now for a while to really get a sense of what we have as we try to build going forward. So, um, yeah. but yeah, uh, good to see Ozan Kabak back in the lineup. And beyond that, I think fairly fairly standard. Uh, the other thing you'd maybe say is maybe Bosduan or Ben Taleb or something like that but um no Cotucho again yeah no, i mean not in the match day squad for the second consecutive game uh something's going on there uh yeah. don't know what it is i i mentioned the last time that we were on i think that i you know the, the game that we did see him I, I i did feel that he looked a little bit heavier um yeah. and i don't want to keep like harping on on that um especially because you know i'm a man of considerable weight myself i'm just saying like i'm wondering if he's maybe just not quite in the best shape at the moment. And that's, that's contributing to it. I don't know what's going on. Um, and you know what? And, and yeah, I, I, I'm 
well, once again, as we've said a number of times on this podcast, we're not in training. We don't see what's going on behind the scenes. All we really see is what's happening on on the field on match days. And so that's why when we see Katucho, we we generally think that we see a spark on the field that we don't see from a lot of other people. But you know, that, that's if we're being honest, that is although it's an important you know snapshot of what happens as a player, it's a small snapshot at the same time, yeah. and that there very well could be a larger story in a larger context that's that's contributing to it. So I, I don't know, but um, but the good thing is I, th- I think most people would say that Markut and Godzilla Paciencia yep. are they're hopeful that that could be a caliber of striker for us that would at least make you know the lack of inclusion of a Katuchu not as big of a deal as it was maybe last season, for example. Yeah. Would and you I- agree? I, I think for sure, you know, Mark Ud has, has come out to become one of our best players this season so far. Uh, surprisingly, I think, because I think, you know, many of us who've seen him in, in a Royal Blue kit and even Clone before, that maybe he wasn't going to be the right fit for us, was going to work out for us. But this season, he seems to um, take in a leadership role almost, I guess, to an extent, or the or put the responsibility of setting up the scoring or being a playmaker on his shoulders and he's taken it well, I think, and has done well the last couple of games has scored some really fantastic goals. And we're going to get to the one here in a minute, but um, yeah, I think uh, Paciencia, both of them really linked up well together. I do like Ibisevic's nose for goal, but uh, Paciencia did some w- good things in this game. I thought um, uh, previously, you know, prior to the, this, this three game stretch, he maybe didn't do so great. I've kind of got lost in the limelight, but I think he's recovered really nicely in these games and confidence goes a long way, I think. And these two together, um, it probably is going to be the way to go. I agree, and maybe have Ibisevic come on as a cameo role to get some goals in or what, what have you. So uh, I like that for sure. And I, and it's funny you're talking earlier about Alessandro Schulf and kind of being the utility man, not knowing where he goes. I think you know with the with the departure of Weston McKinney, someone had to fill that void. So uh, I mean, uh, Schulf had to take that role, I guess. I don't know, but um, let's get into the game. Uh, so and once again, Bazdouan Bentaleb could very well be in that position more often than yes. Schulf is over the course yes. of the season. It's just, yes. you know, it's a small sample size, but yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's, that's a fair point from you as well, that there is a, there is a massive void in the middle of the field now in terms yeah. of minute, minute share. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the game didn't start out very well for us at all. Uh, in the fourth minute early in the game, um, Nastasic going, you know, one of his hard tackles that he always goes for, was a little careless with his arm, his hand again, uh, a recurring penalty and a recurring pe- uh, for sure a penalty. It's a handball. Uh, early on when I first saw the play, Jack, I thought it was a good tackle. He was there. Then I saw the replay. I saw the hand. I'm like, damn, they're going to call that. And sure enough, they did. So I kind of dis- I, I kind of disagree with you in the sense that I felt that it, it potentially looked a little bit worse live than it did on the replay. Um, here's my thing. In my opinion, I mean, it, I'm struggling with this one because the, also, okay, let me say this. When there was the live broadcast, you, you heard the commentators at one point suggest that what the, what the official was saying to Paciencia or somebody was that the foul was for the step that Nastasic made on the other player's ankle and wasn't actually because of the hand. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but if it is a handball, I mean, it I hate that call just because, in my opinion, Nostasha just squared up, and he's getting in position, and he, he's not really moving that much. He's mostly in his zone of influence, and he's getting ready to head this ball. And then the other player is is more actively trying to penetrate that space and barrels into him. So, yeah, exactly. So the only re- – I mean, yeah, is his arm up in the air in an unnatural position? Yes, but he's doing that because he thinks he's going to head the ball, and then he gets hit. And then, you know, the trajectory changes, and that's why. And I think it actually hits his head and then bounces onto his arm secondly, maybe. Correct, correct. And once again, this is only because of the contact of the Mines player, who I think if anyone got fouled, it's actually Nastasic in this situation, personally. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, I, I hated this call, and it was such a gut punch that early in the match um, against this opponent, you know, of all people, against Mines. You know, we're coming into this game knowing that we need to get a result against the bottom team in the table, and then to go behind on a questionable call from a penalty that early is just, it's brutal. Yeah, and Jake is even asking, like, you know, pre-VAR, would you think there's been a penalty? And I thought, you know, pre-VAR, I don't. I mean, it sounds like Jack thought, you thought you thought maybe it would have been a penalty. I, I don't think it would have been a penalty just from, you know, the way I saw, but, you know, it's a 50-50 ball. Like you said, we're both, we both see it differently, and uh, and when you look at VAR, it's still it's very you know fifty fifty. So. so I should clarify. I, I don't think that upon like live viewing, I thought it was a penalty. I'm just saying I thought it did look worse live than right, it right. did because on right. the replay, I, to me, it looks like he's getting in, influenced by the other player. I agree. Um, yeah, and and I think the only reason that VAR took a look maybe maybe took a look at it is because um, I think the player that was involved in the sausage there was on the ground 
like injured from that play for a minute. So that pause in the action gave them an, another opportunity to look at it. And you'd like to think that they look at it regardless. But if that play had kept going on and there hadn't been a stoppage, you know, you know who knows if they even go back and and end up making that call. Yeah, exactly. But they did make that call. Uh, Brozinski would step up and take the penalty, and he would score past Renov. Uh, makes it one nothing early on in the match. You saw the disgust on uh, Baum's face uh, when that went in. Uh, so you wonder how Schalke were going to respond. And I think they responded fairly well. Um, they started to get back into the game a little bit more. And then in the 36th minute, uh, a great location for where the free kick was. You, you had Mark Oot on one side, and you had, I believe it was Harit maybe on the other side, or Muscarel. I forget who the other one was. But they looked like they were in a position to take the kick because Oot was only, what, a foot away, one, or one step away. So you're thinking, he's not going to kick this. He kicks it, and it was a thing, a beauty, a beautiful free kick. Uh, no, no pace to it, but it was just perfectly placed past the keeper. Nothing Zentner could have done about it. One, one, and uh, again, Mark Ut making these goals, uh, these these nice, pretty looking goals, and uh, you could see the reaction by the players when he scored. They jumped over him because they they knew kind of, that goal meant a lot. Yeah, it was a lovely, lovely strike, and it, it was taken with supreme confidence. I mean, once he got yeah. set, he didn't even look up. Yep. To see to see the goal again, like he knew where it was, and he only took that one step forward. Like it, it seemed almost as if like that was an area of the pitch where he's worked on these a lot, and felt just like uber confident with where that foul happened to take place. Yeah. Um. So yeah, great for him. And and once again, any goal that um the team gets is is massive at the moment, but particularly the guys that we want to get up and running and firing goals regularly, Paciencia, for one of them to get a goal is, is a big deal too. And so that, that's been, I guess, one of the positives is though, you know, even though our offense isn't clicking on all cylinders, um, a lot of our goals actually have been coming from those two guys, which is, which is a good thing. Yeah. Our strikers are actually scoring this year, right? Uh, so just when we thought we're going to go into halftime with a one, one uh, draw, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. This is this is more blatant of a penalty to me than, than the sausage one. Ozan Kabak, bro, I don't know what you're thinking. Uh totally takes on Mateta. I believe it was Mateta. Uh penalties called. Look at the they go to VAR, they check it. It certainly is a penalty. He takes out Mateta, in my opinion. Uh Mateta steps up, takes the penalty, gets a goal in the yeah. second minute of stoppage time. Your thoughts. So I feel like I am in this particular game too. I was watching a very different game from a lot of other people. Um because I, once again, I, online, I saw a lot of anger about the Kabak penalty being that like Mateta just fell over and it was a flop or something along those lines. Disagree with that entirely. Um, I, the second that ball gets played into him, you can see that Kabak is not, it was on Kabak isn't going to get there in time. Um, yeah. And you, you could see that foul coming like a second and a half be- before it happened. And you're like, don't, 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 don't. And then he just, he barrels into him. To me, it is a clear penalty. Um, and it's, you know, it, we've seen Ozan Kabak make some pretty spectacular tackles in the box. And every time he does it, we get on the podcast and we're like, that was great, but it makes me nervous because, <laughs> you know, he's living dangerously. And, uh, that was one of those ones where, I mean, he wasn't, you know, it wasn't a slide tackle or anything, but, uh, potentially a little bit over, over aggressive because, um, you know, if, if he just bodies him up, but doesn't knock him over, maybe you shift him out to the right, the combination of that and runoff cutting off the angle, Difficult shot. Maybe, maybe he scores, but once again, a penalty is statistically like seventy-five percent scored every time. Yeah. And I, and I think I would rather have him take a shot from open play than to give him those penalty opportunities. Personally, um, as we were discussing that, one of our viewers, Jake, uh, messaged <laughs> us you, about about the Usitter. So going along with my my me saying that that I feel like I was watching a different match than a lot of other people, I would like to take this opportunity about this Uth question to um to discuss. Paciency as well because I want to clarify something I said online. I was calling for Paciency to be subbed, and I, I called him Diet Bergstaller at one point <laughs> during <laughs> during the match, which that was harsh. I, I take that. I, I I would like to walk that back. My frustration was mostly with the way that Paciencia is being used in the offense, which is that I feel like too often we are we are playing long balls into him, those diagonal long balls into the corner that yeah. Berg, the kind of ball that Bergstaller would run down. And it's putting Paciencia in these like f- physical 50-50 battles that I don't think he's equipped to do that well with. And I don't no. think he makes good decisions when he's in those situations. He's gotten out of a couple of them, and a couple of them have resulted in opportunities. But um, personally, I think Paciencia would be more useful not as the main target man, but using his clever movement in and around the final third to receive the ball off other people and be the one taking these shots. Far too often, he's the person that's bringing the ball into the final third and then dishing it off to somebody else. And I think that's kind of perverse, and we should try to change that. 
so let's build off of that, right? So I agree with you in that sense, where you, the way you're describing Paciencia. And also, also Mark Ut plays better as a second striker than he is a primary, primary, primary striker. So maybe the way to go, and in, in, though he's like 75 years old, Ibisevic, have him as a striker, and have Paciencia and Ut behind him as a, as the second strikers. Support them, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I like the I like the combination work between Ut and Paciencia, uh, but I agree with you that the way we're using him is not ideal. Yeah, those now, long balls are an issue. The, the good thing in this game, though, is that we had a lot more width from the wingbacks. And like, oh, Chip, we've been talking all season. Oh, Chipka hasn't gotten up the field enough, right? Yeah. And that's not entirely his fault. That's the process of the offense. We had a lot more of that width, which which allowed the strikers to stay more central than they typically have and get crosses in and that kind of thing, which I think is good for the offense as well. But to get back to Jake's point, yeah. Uh, yeah. this was a sitter. It was a nice play that Paciencia found Ut, and Ut should have scored 100%. Totally missed it, and, and when I when I saw that miss go in, I'm like, this is that kind of game. It's going to happen. And he I disagree. More, okay, well that's fine. And yeah. he more than made up for it on the free kick, I think. But uh, please, absolutely. But please go. So, yeah. this, this is good because Richard, you and I agree on like every podcast about 95 percent of what we talk it's about. Sticking. And I, yeah, I mean, so this is actually fun. Here's my thing, and this is the I, I was thinking. I thought Passy was getting too much credit in this game. I think he played well. I think he did some things well. He had 11 losses. Um, of possession yeah. in the game, which is a problem. And then also, if you look at this particular play, he's he's coming in from sort of like the left wing position is where he's entering the box diagonally. He's setting himself up to be able to open up his hips to go far post or lay this off to Mark Ut to have a shot. If you watch this again, Paciencia takes a heavy touch at the yeah. decisive moment, which pulls him deeper into the box, into the gravity of the goalkeeper and the defender. At that point, he doesn't feel comfortable taking the shot. He has to play it out to Mark Ut, and he plays it like late and behind him. Like, should Mark Ut have done better? Yeah, probably. Could he have done better? Maybe. But this ball is not in his path of trajectory at all. He has to move like out of the way he was running to try to control it and get a shot off at the same time. And it looked like he was caught in two minds because of where the placement of the pass was. Now, if Paciencia doesn't take a heavy touch there, maybe he shoots, maybe he gets it to Uth in a better position. I think people were being, including the commentator of the match, was being way too hard on Mark Uth for that chance, personally. Okay. But yeah. I think you're wrong, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, that, that's yeah. fair. And I do agree with you, you know, the, the, the giveaways that Paciencia has. It's because he often, too often, tries to go one-on-one, one-on-two. When He really, he has a skill set, no doubt about it. But well, He's he doing stepovers like he's Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, he's exactly. Like, calm he's down. not there. You need to pick your moments when you do that. You need If you do it all the time, everyone's going to know you're doing it, and then they're going to stop you, and that's what happened. Um, I agree with Jake that, you know, we're hoping, or Garrett, excuse me, that the return of Serdar after the break would be nice. Um, and I agree because uh, Harit hasn't been himself lately, um, especially the last you know, four games or so. But... Yeah, uh, Mark Wood made up for him, gets the free kick goal, a wonderful goal there. Uh, and then, like we said, uh, Mainz get the goal, make the two to one going into halftime. It's a gut punch, really. But, you know, we come out of the break uh, firing all cylinders. Ozan Kabak gets a goal in the 49th minute. You think we're in this game, baby, but what? No, what? VAR's involved. VAR just hates Schalke this season, probably the last couple seasons. When you look at the VAR play, though, it was correct again. As much as VAR hates us, it's been right pretty much every time. And this hits his hand, unfortunately, and then he gets the goal. When you're watching it live, you don't see it. But when you see that replay, you're like, fuck, yeah. come on, man. And it's, again, to your credit, what you were saying before, like, you know, if you're a defender, just put your hand behind your back and just play the whole game like that. Yeah. Just tie yourself like that because, ah. And Jake Barno says he respectfully disagrees with you, Jack, on the uh, paciencia, I assume. So, <laughs> well, that's fine. I, I'm sure most people do. What I would, what I would suggest is just go back and watch that again and watch for the heavy touch that paciencia takes right as he's going into the box. And what that does to the timing of that play, that and then ultimately sure. Paciencia's decision making. Um, yeah, like I said, I, th- I think Ut could have done better. I think he was trying to like move to the left to like receive it and shoot it at the same time. He was caught in two minds, and that caused the issue. Um, but yeah, that 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 late sec- that late first half equalizer. I mean, uh, the penalty from Kabak was terrible because we had actually been gaining momentum the, the five ten minutes before that after we equalized, and. Up right until that that attack took place, it looked like we were going to score before halftime and go up two one. Yep, yep. So, um, so that was really unfortunate. And then, yeah, to, to then have that emotional lift right after of the Kabak goal, tying it up right away, um, and then having that taken away was was brutal. And just once again, you're like, dude, Kabak, man, like, come on. But, um, it, it's unfortunate for him because. It, 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 this has kind of been the thing for us for a while. Is like, if you look at everything else Kabak did in this game, played a great game. Yeah. He had like 98% pass completion, um, won the vast majority of his duels, uh, completed the vast majority of his dribbles. 
had some nice long ball, like, you know, line breaking passes, like forward played a very good game overall, but then he has the penalty and he has the goal disallowed. And it's like, and that's what, that's what you're left with. Um, Same thing with Salif Sine. We talk about how good he is as a center back, but then everyone, you know, there's just those, those individual mistakes in like a, you know, a two second window that cost us a goal or a point here and there. And it just, you know, it's, so it's kind of hard to like walk away from these games, knowing what to make of certain players that sometimes when, the vast majority of the work they put in is solid work. And then there's just those couple moments that really can affect the outcome of a game though, overall. Yeah. And, you know, pre Baum, I think when something like this happens where, you know, we we're trying to get fighting the game, we get a goal, we think we're tied up and then we lose it. And then our heads would drop. That didn't really happen. I mean, granted Mainz put the pressure on us. And I think Frederick knows stood on his head really to keep us in the game. And then luckily for us, uh, some, we started getting back into the game and then we forced an own goal uh, by St. Eust uh, in the 81st minute, 82nd minute uh, to make it 2-2. But I think the ultimate of the this past three games, or not even the past three games, but the last two games in the Bundesliga is our best player continues to be, unfortunately, Frederick Renault because he's taken a million shots a game. And I don't know, you know, as much as I love Fairman and, and, and even Schubert to the extent I don't know if they're going to be saving us as many shots as he is. And I think he's, his his uh, value is going through the roof this season with Schalke, obviously with the call-up with the Danish national team. he's He's been solid for us. He hasn't really made too many mistakes. Yeah, he's maybe had a fluffer one here or two. But for the most part, he's making excellent saves, Jack. Yeah, he really has. Um, yeah, a couple a couple of huge ones. And, and once again, actually, I think the two biggest saves he made in this game, or two of the biggest, came off of Salif Sané mistakes. Um one of them was basically a one-on-one with the keeper in the box. He came out, made himself big, stopped yep. it. That was off pretty atrocious defending by Sine. And then a the second, toe save he had. Um, which one was that? Was that later? Think, yeah, it was later. I guess Bateta, I think it was. There's the one where Sine fell down in the box right, like, way too right. easily, and they yeah. called it a foul, and I, I'm not convinced it actually was a foul yeah. on anybody. Um, no, but yeah, that, that's that's been great. And then you know you said, you said Fairman made that big save in the deep people, Cal, so if we can get some – consistent and reliable goalkeeper play that will be a uh, a positive for us for sure over the, as opposed to what we've seen over the past you know year and a half two years yeah. or so i i don't think goaltending has been our weakest link by any stretch it's obviously the defense i think uh midfield midfield has been been struggling as well they haven't been able to keep the possession in some big games granted you play in dortmund leipzig uh, uh bayern munich you're not gonna have the possession but you should still be able to hold possession not just give it away aimlessly like we saw most of this game most of this season so far but They've done better. Uh, where are we going to put, um, you know, Bentaleb or or Bosduan more importantly, you know, because we're playing them out of position, it seems like, more often than not. Uh, Schoff is starting to come around, which is good. Uth is really coming around, really. He's been like our catalyst. Uh, you know, nice to see Ramon get a, a late goal in that Schweinfurt game. But there's some positivity there, I think, under Baum so far. I want to shout out Mascarell in particular. I thought he was phenomenal against Mainz, um, especially in possession. Um, his, his passing and his ability to, to shift, you know, to distribute the ball, shift the angle play a lot was, was, was very good in this game. Um, and, and I feel like there's times where he, I mean, he's certainly, he's certainly capable of that, but I feel like there's times where he's just not quite as consistent in that aspect of it. And I, I really noticed that he really jumped off the screen in this match for me. Um, go ahead. M- must be something about these last three games. Cause I, I think I'm going to respectfully disagree with you. I think, That's fine. I think in the first half, I was so frustrated by Mascarella, maybe just cause I was. Watch him too much. I just I didn't watch him enough, but it seemed to me like he kept turning it over unnecessarily defensively when he's trying to transition into offense. Now he did some good stuff in this game. I'm not gonna deny that, but I think it seems like the last few games, at least with him, he's done a lot of mistakes. And granted, the whole team has, but um, as someone who's in that position, someone who's a captain who's supposed to be leading by example, is making more sick more mistakes than he should. But um, I still like him overall. I mean, I'm, I, there's no he's probably better than anybody else we could put in that position. So. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I, I think the fact that maybe we're we're disagreeing is uh, maybe is almost a better thing because it might suggest there's a lot of different things to be looking at on the pitch now. There, there's more going on overall, so there's there's more of our attention being dragged to different areas, and maybe we're focusing on different things at different times and have different opinions as well. Apparently, apparently, Gerd Gerd seen the same thing. He said Mascarell lost the ball before both penalties in, in, in this game. So, I mean, yeah, Mascarell has defense. It, it seems like with the times that I've noticed it is like when we transition from defense into offense. Wasn't the second? Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say uh, it always seems like he just gives away aimlessly at the wrong time and leads to some kind of counterattack really quickly on the other end, and we're not prepared for it. And it's always a good chance uh, every time he turns it over. But like I said, he does more good than bad for sure. 
for sure. But maybe I just it's emphasized to me that it's because I'm paying attention to, to him more so or not. I don't know. But like like I said, I may have been watching a different game this time around because I felt like I was definitely on on you know the uh, the, mi- <laughs> the minority opinion on a lot of these things. I thought the second penalty came off of a goalkeeper clearance that was headed back into the line of play, and then that pass came off of that. I don't recall that being like a, a Mascarell loss of possession yeah, that maybe. immediately immediately led to the attack. Maybe I'm mistaken. No, you're um, right. Uh, I, I could be wrong. Um, anyway, uh. I do I do want to shout out um Mammal Baum though for how aggressive his substitutions were. Yeah. Um and, and maybe you wouldn't do that against a better team, but I do think it was the right decision, you know, two one down on the road against the team that's below you. It's you know, I, I don't wanna go doom and gloom yet, but you know, if things don't improve, and I think they are improving, but if things don't improve, this is a relegation six pointer, this match. So it's an important match. Um down, yeah, like I said, down two one. We saw substitutions before the 70th minute, and these substitutions were aggressive. You saw Skripsky yep. and Ramon come on, um, and then you actually saw Omar Mascarell get substituted off for Abisevich, yep. of all people. So he was just like he was throwing his players on it. It ultimately got us that additional, um, you know, depth and width, and some of those crosses were coming in. That's where the own goal came from from Skripsky trying to reach Ramon, the two substitutes trying to connect. Um, so I thought that was positive. We criticized David Wagner at times um, for just. Wait until watching, the minute. Yeah, it's, it's like the 85th minute. The game's been going badly the entire time. He's just sitting there watching it and doing literally nothing to change it. Um, and yeah, I think especially when you have a new manager, um, getting as many guys into the mix as possible and letting them fight it out for those places because they're going to be, you know, you would hope they'd be especially motivated at the moment to, to, to prove their worth. So I think it's good. Yeah. And, uh, it's, you know, it's something I also no- I noticed is that, you know, we talked about the, uh, the growing um, chemistry between Paciencia and Ut. I think the same could be said between um, Ibisevich and Skripsky. And I granted it was against Schweinfurt, but I thought Skripsky played really well in that game and he kept finding uh, Ibisevich when he was on the pitch. And then we saw him at the end of this game where he, you know, he did contribute, uh, I think, offensively to help out with the, the late late push. And oh, by the way, Mark Ut nearly had the game winner in this Mainz game. He had a great opportunity at the top of the box uh, to go with his left-footed shot and he skied it over the bar, unfortunately. I think if he had put that in, there would have been a great three points for us, and it could have led to some more positivity going forward. You know, granted it's an international break, but still, um, overall, you got to be at least with this two games, last two games, not thrilled, but content, more content, I guess. I yeah, don't know, sound right. And that paciencia miss is a good example of what I was talking about in the sense that that was a play where the ball comes in to a different player, and paciencia makes a smart run off of that kind of a late trailing run to the top of the box and is able to receive the ball off of that and then, you know, get a shot off for himself. And it's, you know, not, a, not a well-executed shot, but that's kind of what I was talking about. Like, you know, Bisevich is an example of somebody who I think is more effective as, as more of a target man than um, Paciencia is. But um, if you're going to play in that partnership, oftentimes one of them kind of has to fill that role. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I said, I think I was, I was definitely too harsh on Paciencia online as that game was going on. I was just kind of frustrated with how the match was going, but, uh, yeah, positives, positive, positives from positives, Paciencia, um, not a win and we need a win, especially against a team as bad as mine's. But like I said, points three of the last four, um, the team seems to have a plan. We're getting into the final third more consistently. The offense looks a little bit better. Yeah. Um, the structure's there. I mean, it, it seems like the players understand where they're supposed to be in and are in the right positions more often than not, um, with, with greater frequency than they were in the, uh, the latter stages of Wagner's reign. So that's positive. Yeah, I agree about that. Uh, no, that, that's definitely positives for us. And, and we need it going into Wolfsburg. Obviously, there's an international break. And then after that, we play against Wolfsburg uh, coming out. So we need to have all the confidence we have, we can get. Um, there, are, there might be a friendly in there. I know there's definitely a Pokal match in between there. So, um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But I think, uh, you know, with the two penalties we gave away in this game, what is that like now? Seven penalties against this season so far or something crazy like is that? that many? Six or seven. Yeah, I, I know. It's, yeah, six or seven definitely for sure. And if someone's in the chat, they can correct it. But uh, I believe the, the the broadcast commentator for the ESPN feed did mention that Kabak has given away a penalty in every game he started for Schalke this season. Is that or a red card? So. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, so if yeah. that's the case, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. But um, And Sana has been doing the, yeah. probably the other half, you know. So I mean, yeah, but think, think how many goals we've given away in close matches that could have totally – I mean, mine took our – that's two wins right there. Yep. Um, yeah. It's, it's frustrating. It feels like every game we've given away a penalty, and it's yeah. it's really ridiculous. And I, and I think the handball stuff in the box, 
the, the stupid penalties. This this is what needs to stop. I think if Baum can figure out a way to get the defense to play smarter, not give away penalties, like we said, all all Schalke needs to do. If they get beat by a team that you know just completely shreds them apart and scores a goal, yeah. good, okay. But if you defeat, you lose by yourself. You forcing you're giving away all these goals. That's not helping anything. And I think if they want to end this streak, if they want to start winning some games, they need to figure out defensively to stop doing the stupid penalties. Keep your hands yeah. behind your damn back. And get it to the midfield and get it out of the box. I mean, Renault yeah, can, can only do so much. F- football really is that simple at times. And yeah. I know there's a lot more going on around it. But at the end of the day, it's just like you, you got to give yourself the best opportunity to win. And some of these stupid mistakes are, are not doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, th- these are these are multiple games where the result is different and, and very positive for us if we just make, you know, keep our head in the game a little bit more and make a smarter decision here or there. Um, and, uh, you know, if we could start playing cleaner games where there's less of these moments, um, our chances only improve. Yeah. And it's, it's, as you just said, which is the point we always make, which is, you know, the Bundesliga is unequal. Not every team is the same. Some teams are going to be better than you. And if they come in and play beautiful football and tear you apart, hats off to them. Um, you know, it's not fun to watch a game like that, but when the team is that good and the goals they're scoring are, are good goals, it's, there's not a whole lot you can be upset with. You just have to kind of accept like where you are. And yeah, these these kind of things against bottom table opponents, stupid mistakes. That that's not what we're talking about there. It, it's it's different, and that needs to be corrected. But um, the good news is the things outside of those moments and, and around that are improving. And um, I mean, the defense certainly better. Right, Stuttgart only conceded one. You know, Mainz you conceded the two, but not from open play. Yeah. You don't. Um, so that, that that's that's strong as well. After the, uh, the the poorest defensive start we had of the season. So a uh, friend of the show, uh, Cedric Zelmat, uh, he, he's a Schalke YouTuber. Uh, he's going to be doing his uh, Baum assessment so far this season you know, through five games or whatever they've played so far under him. Uh, how would how would your assessment be of, of Baum you know, for the first whatever handful of games that he's been manager? Um, positives, negatives, you know, what is, what is your overall takeaway from this? Yeah, fairly positive. Um, he came in with sort of the reputation of being a slightly more tactical manager than David Wagner. And I think to some extent it's difficult to parse some of that out given the state the team was in. Um, I, I think in some ways it's a lot of getting back to basics and just kind of like yeah. psychology and changing the mentality to some extent. Um, but I, I do think we look more organized defensively, like I just said, um, offensively as well. Uh, and, and slowly, but it, it, these are in, these are incremental gains. And I understand there's a lot of Schalke fans that are saying, cool, but we still haven't won a game. So what does this matter? And, and you guys are really setting a low bar here. And like, I get that. I don't like setting a low bar as a Schalke supporter, but when, when you have a, you know, this kind of winless streak, you got to take whatever you can get. And, and I do feel like we have seen consistently over the past couple of matches now, post international break, um, that, that, that the team has a little bit more belief and more structure. And, you know, it, it, it's slowly coming together is, is all I'm going to say. Uh, Garrett so I, says- I think it's positive. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, before I get into my my points, I'm gonna say uh, Garrett says I uh, agree to a point. VAR is not helping our cause in a lot of the penalty situations so far. Uh, Guntercock for pet for uh, but for penalty, it is not a foul. It's always got to be a foul. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. Um, it, it's been we we need to stop giving away stupid penalties and uh, don't leave it up to VAR. You know, if you do your job, you keep it simple. Uh, and just clear stuff out. Don't try. I mean, if you're going to go for a header, just you got to be mindful of your arms because they're catching everything this year, especially with Schalke. So you just got to be smarter about it, really. Um, my overall assessment of Bomb was pretty much like spot on with you. I think uh, we we thought he was going to be a more tactical person, like you said, and and he has shown that. And I like the formations that he's using. He's trying to use Mascarell as really the uh, the main pivot, and, and and at times there's a double pivot there. But the, what we've seen going into the attack, there's been a lot more options. We've gotten actually shots in games. I think this game against Mainz, we had like 21 shots or something. I don't think we had 21 shots in the prior, the prior you know, five games before. So yeah. um, it's coming along. And granted, Mainz is the bottom of the table. But you got to still perform. I mean, uh, you know, the way they reacted against going down against Schweinfurt, fourth division team, or going down, you know, twice to Mainz, they fought back. Um, they played very well, I thought, against Stuttgart and, and had the lead in that game for a good chunks of that game. Uh, before giving away another penalty, so there's some there's a lot of good stuff in there, and I think you know considering he only had two days of uh, of training before the Leipzig match, and then yeah, you know, the, the, frig- the the fragility of the of the of the team psyche is is can be understated or overstated because 
we've seen the, the team psychologists on the pitch with them in practice trying to figure what to do just to get them the right mind frame. And we've seen that with the fight in the last couple of games that they're it's starting to get better. Um, is their talent are they talented enough to win the Bundesliga? No. But are they are they a relegation team? I don't think so. With their psyche, yes. But um, if they don't fix that part and don't fix the, the simple things defensively in the midfield, it's going to be a long season. It's going to be a long season no matter what. But I yeah. think yeah. what Baum has brought has been uh, really positive stuff. Small, but you got to take you got to take for what it's worth at this moment. And and any point we can get at this moment to start build momentum. And momentum is the key, I think, with with confidence. And we'll see with this international break how we come out against uh, Wolfsburg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, there's, there's been times when we've been in these bad runs of form where, where you look at the squad and you're going like, this collection of players is too good to be playing this badly. Yeah. Like some of the football we've played, is just, it's just non-football. It's not, it's not fun to watch. Um, and it's just so inept. And you wonder like how that's possible given, I'm not saying we have the greatest squad on the planet, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think you look at it and you're like, this is not a relegation squad. So what's going on? Um, I think the psychology is a huge part of it. Sometimes when you're stuck in these cycles, um, it's just hard to break out. And that's what I was trying to say. Like, you know, the last time we, we had a, we had a podcast out is like, yeah, I think David Wagner needed to go just because nothing was changing, but you know, whose fault is it that nothing's changing? Certainly David Wagner's to some extent. Um, but to what extent is it the player's fault? Um, to what extent they need to step up and, and, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, the, the coaching change gives you an opportunity to, to reset and, and hope those things stick and, and start to improve. And I think we've, we've seen that. And once again, small sample size, but just, just an example from the Stuttgart game and in, in, in the Mainz game. And once again, I understand that Mainz is not a good, you know, uh, that, that quality of an opponent, but, you know, early in the season, the only times we had the ball in the final third is when it's a long ball that's dumped into a striker with no support from anybody in it, you know, and that's that's kind of what happens. It's the go Robbie go tactics, right? <laughs> um, and uh, Stuttgart, and then in this Mainz game as well, you weren't seeing that. You were seeing Bastian Ochipka getting high, Skripsky getting high, Killian Ludwig getting high, um, uh, playing crosses, and you, you're seeing, you know, five, six, seven people in the final third at once possessing the ball and poking and prodding it. And, and that's um, certainly on the right track and, and definitely a positive because early in the season, it's just, that's, that's something you never saw. I mean, we were never in the final third with any, no. with any significant numbers or anything. And it's, that's no. the way we're building up and approaching getting there is, is certainly better. Yeah. Oh, I dropped my phone. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that hundred uh, percent. And I think, uh, you know, the way we've played at times, even recently, you, we kind of do look like a relegation team at times, right? It shouldn't be. We yeah. shouldn't be for what the team has had, but um, it just it, it doesn't make sense really how some of the guys are. And, you know, Garrett's saying that he kind of wishing that Bentaleb would pull his head out of his ass. Uh, that guy has so much potential. I mean, yeah, and it's, we agree. With him, we, agree. We, we think with him, well, while we love the talent he has at times, he is freaking brilliant. But then he has this, it's a, it's a mental thing where he's just not playing to his potential and does something silly. Or in some of the past recent games that he's played, he's been non existent whatsoever. I mean, non-existent. Richard, I think you would probably agree with me. Um, to to, to Gerd's point here, um, Gerd's point. Uh, I, I don't think there's a player. Um, Richard, did I lose you? No, I'm still here. Lost the camera. Okay, I can't with that. Don't worry. Um, I don't think there's a player that you or I would like to interview more than Nabil Bentaleb. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just to see. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to get that opportunity, especially to ask him the kind of questions we'd like to ask him. But I think if there's any player we'd like to pick their brain to figure out what's going on with them and what's going on with the club, it would be it would be Ben Tillett because I agree. I think I think a lot of Shaco supporters do as well. At his best, he's certainly top three player on the squad, you would think, in terms of the potential he has, and we just yeah. don't see it. Don't see it enough. Um, and, yeah, maybe rotations, you know, for, for fitness is a thing with, with the, the COVID schedules and everything, maybe – Manuel Baum's trying to, uh, you know, give everyone an opportunity and see what he has. But you would expect with the players we have on the squad for Bentaleb to be consistently picked. Um, and so if this yeah. kind of thing continues throughout the season where, you know, Alessandro Schupf is getting mid central midfield minutes over Bentaleb, that is not a good sign and not a good reflection on Bentaleb um, himself. So we'll see. But, yeah, I hope he gets his head up. His <laughs> Who knows what's going on? But, yeah, I, I, I agree. Since we're talking about players who are not playing to the potential, and maybe I'm a lone person on this, but I think I mean Harit's been playing really poor this season. At times he's back to himself, but for the most part, he's giving the ball away. He's trying to go one on one and not take. He's falling down more, more than he needs to. I think you know in the past when he's been going down, it's because guys have chopped him down because he's playing so freaking brilliant. I think lately, and maybe it's a tribute to the rest of the team being poor, but he has not looked 
good at all at times. And there's some, some moment of brilliance in the game, but there's more bad than good, I think, over the last, I don't know, three, four games at least with him. Could be the whole season, but I'm just talking about the last three, four games. Have you seen the same thing, or what do you see in that of Harit? Yeah, I would agree. I think I mentioned after the one of the, maybe it wasn't the Stuka game because we didn't pot after the Stuka. I don't, I'm forgetting like when I when I said certain things in the past, but yeah. um, I, I did feel that there was some performances where it seemed like Harit was very bought into his defensive, defensive right, 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 off the ball, which to me is a very good sign because, as I've said, I feel like sure. he disengages very easily. Um, so that was good. Uh, I, I do agree, though, that like you know the, the peak Harit that we've seen, particularly offensively, has not been there. Um, some misplayed passes, some poor decisions. Um, but I, I do think ultimately it probably isn't a bad thing if Harit isn't the focal point of our offense. I think Harit yep. is the kind of player who, um, at this point in time, given his inconsistencies, is kind of a luxury player. And to the extent that you can draw the defense's attention elsewhere and then have him come up with a moment of brilliance and catch people off guard because he has that kind of ability. Maybe maybe that's the way forward for him. But um, Having Serdar back is going to be huge, especially if he's back to kind of what we remembered him to be. Yeah. He can draw some of the attention, then maybe Harit can feed off of that and and then expose some of the defenses. And really, they're going to have to focus on one of those two or you know whomever. And then maybe Mark Ud will be free more. You know, who knows? For sure, for sure. But you know, in the absence of, of you know top-tier offensive contributions from Harit, he does have to do the other stuff well to kind of justify his spot in a central midfield role. Um, and so, yeah, that is something to keep an eye on. I think going forward is how he's doing. Uh, Jake is saying about Baum, uh, he's brought simplicity and steadiness in the style of play. Taking a couple of league wins in a row would change the team drastically. And I agree hundred percent about that. Um, Garrett is in agreement as well. He said Baum is on it in a good way. Looking at the standings so far, we played six of the nine best teams in the league. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's a difficult gauntlet. We thought it was gonna be a gauntlet to start off because we had the th- big three, but you look at the teams we played, it's it's six and nine best, and we still got, I think, Leverkusen on the horizon and, and another big team. Uh, so, yeah, it's, we're not out of the yet. The yeah. whole league is difficult. Like, I, I don't want people to think that we're in denial about the fact that we're not, you know, saying the sky is falling, that we're going to get relegated yet. Like, you and I have been saying this for months. We we knew the season was going to start off this way. Yep. We, we, we questioned preseason, is David Wagner still the manager after five games? We weren't convinced he was going to be, and he wasn't, ultimately. Like you have to give bomb time to turn it around. Um, we expected the beginning of the season to kind of go this badly, and and as long as we do start picking up a couple wins, um, and and you know get get a little bit of space between the bottom of the table where we are, I think that's what you can expect from this team this season. Yeah. Um, you know, bottom half of the table, hopefully closer to mid table than you know relegation, but but we'll see. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm still keeping an open mind and kind of seeing how things play out. I'm not I'm not in panic mode yet, and. Like I said, you you have you have to afford bomb that opportunity. Now, if we get three or four matches post international break here, and we're kind of at the same level still, you know, then maybe we have that conversation again, and we say, eh, you know, we we're not really seeing what we need to see, and we need to get worried. But um, still, plenty of games to be played. Well, it seems like maybe someone isn't in panic mode already. Uh, Sean Hardman on Twitter sent this message, and I, I know how we're going to react. I'm curious how Jake and Gerd and some of the people in the, in the chat are going to react. But he says this on Twitter. If the club were to be relegated this season, what roster and management ramifications do you foresee? What would be a reasonable timetable for the club to right itself and return to Bundesliga? So for the first part of that, I think, obviously, Schneider's going to be gone. Uh, maybe jobs. It's going to be a big change in the management. I think um, we're probably going to look at, you know, they're going to, they've been talking about changing the 50 plus one and maybe uh, shifting a little bit to bring in more money. You probably see something like that. I'm sure some of our better players be gone, you know, Harit, some of these other guys. But the the point I want to make of, of the second part is a reasonable timetable for us is different from reasonable timetable. What is actually going to happen? A reasonable timetable for us is like, Oh, you know, they go down for a year, Get their shit together, come back up, and we're back. We're back. We're in the middle of the pack, you know, fighting for your Euro, uh, European spot. And honestly, reasonable expectation is that they're going to go down there for three, three to five years. I mean, as good as the fight the Bundesliga is, and they're going to have to really work on the youth program to really develop those players through the through the senior team to get them back to a, a chance to to even move up because they're not going to have any money to buy any players unless it's free players like Ibisevic. So. It's it, the relegation is not a promising thing that you would want by any stretch because that's how good this fight the Bundesliga is. Ask Kaiserslautern where, where have they been yeah. for the last 10, 15 years? I, I've been seeing people say this with, with increasing regularity um, over the last couple of months. It's like, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it'd be a good thing if we got relegated so we could just regroup. 
what? Like, yeah. I mean, no, I, I disagree. I mean, this is it's not. Yeah, you just bounce right back up. Um, I think Hamburg, some, I think some people are looking at like Aston Villa in the Premier League and being like, yeah, you'll just get promoted and then be top of the table. That's we'll how, 50 million like, euros. I mean, or, <laughs> yeah, and Villa was, you know, down for a couple of years. I mean, it's it's not easy to bounce right back up. The club's in massive financial trouble. You go to this fight of Bundesliga, that, that revenue share goes down, I would imagine. I don't know the numbers in front of me, but like, you know, yeah. broadcast rights, all that kind of stuff. That's not going to help us financially at all. Um, name a player on the squad that you like right now. They're not no, there. No. I mean, they're gone. I mean, name, pick a player. Like, they're not here. Um, yeah, I mean, if you think some of these guys are going to stick around for that, I mean, it, it, not even if they want to, it's just financial realities. We're not going to allow that from a contract perspective. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I disagree. Uh, not, not, I, mean, I don't think the question was was it saying that it was a good thing. But the yeah, question no, no, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the ramifications would be awful. I mean, I think the squad dramatically changes. Um, and... I think there's significant financial risk in that as well, given how precarious of a position we're in right now. We're going to be a far younger team if that were to happen, is because we're going to have to rely solely on the Kanaf and Shmita to get uh, to get. A, uh, we might have to use all of them to be really to be in the starting eleven. Who knows? But Schalke not, two becomes Schalke first Schalke. team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, Garrett says if we get relegated, it'll be years before we make the comeback. Uh, look at Billefield's uh, journey. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like the Bundesliga is difficult. Hamburg, Hamburg is still finding that out right now. St. Pauli, we haven't seen them forever. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's a difficult fight. I mean, teams like Union Berlin, their first time in the Bundesliga recently. You know, they they've had some good squads as well. So it's not going to be easy by any stretch. And so um, hopefully we don't get down that road. I think the way Baum is leading the club at the moment. Uh, is in the right direction. We just need to get some wins, like you know, like the guys in the chats are saying. It's like if we get a win or two here, we can build momentum off of that. Especially if we can knock off somebody that we're not expected to, maybe like a, a Wolfsburg or someone like that. Uh, it would go a long way. And and you know, if we get some of these uh, strikers getting these goals more and more, uh, see Serdar back and stuff like that. Stop making stupid mistakes defensively. I think there's opportunity there. So, but we got we got the international break here. Uh, I got the the Polkow match in between as well. So. Yeah, um, I, I really hope Suat Serdar can figure out his injury issues, man. Because it's it's been I feel so bad for the kid. It's we need to baby brutal, him. He, he's also just like more consistent than Harid is, in my opinion. And you know, if we could have him consistently getting selected, that'd be huge for us. Uh, it's the, the the last point I make about the relegation thing is just like you know there was a situation. Remember when Jurgen Klopp was still at Dortmund? Yeah, and they they randomly had that season where they started off like losing like five games in a row or something, and were in in trouble for a while, like let's say Dortmund had gotten relegated that season, the financial situation and, and sort of the general state of the team that they were in at that moment, like you would have said like, yeah, they're going to bounce right back. The finance, I mean, that's a different situation for where we are right now. Like you could totally see that. Like, I don't want to be doom and gloom. And I, I mean, I, and to be fair, I don't really know enough details to know what I'm talking about here, but like you could see us getting relegated. And then because of the financial situation, like this spiraling and us going down like the third division or like becoming or, yeah, yep. something in crazy. Like we, we need to, we need to do everything we can to, um, steady the ship and then just go onward from where we are. We don't need to go down levels and, and get down that whole rabbit yeah. hole. I think that's disastrous. Yeah, I think if we were in, in, in great financial situation and you know had all the money in the world to spend and we got relegated, okay, I think we'd bounce right back up. But because we could spend some money and, and get some lower league players and move up, but we don't. We're going to be selling players. It, it, it's something we don't want. Trust us. You do not want to get relegated by any stretch. So, but Jack, it's been an hour. We've been talking this good, good chat here, I think, here. So, uh, but uh, let's wrap this one up. Unless you got something else you want to chat about? No, I, th I think I've uh, uh, put forward enough bad, unpopular, and possibly wrong <laughs> opinions on this podcast for one night tonight. We've we disagreed quite a bit, not uh, just you and me, but me and the uh, the general larger Shalka internet audience. So, yeah, yeah, there you go. No, it was good stuff, though. Good stuff. Um, you know, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you sign up for the Shock US newsletter. Just simply put in your email, and you will get them once a month. Um, and also, if you haven't, if you're not a member yet, you should be. You should get you know, you know get your Chrysler magazine, uh, Chrysler magazine every every month. Um, some good stuff there. And then, uh, yeah, you obviously get a nice little flag like I do in the back here, huh, Jack? <laughs> you got one as well. All right, keep tuning in each week as we bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. Um, Every week. Now, maybe not. Maybe we'll try to keep it more often, more consistent that way going forward. Uh, we want to thank Shaka and all our followers for providing the tidbits for our podcast tonight. Those on the chat, thank you so much for joining in and uh, chatting with us. Uh, we really enjoyed the conversation. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss or guests we should bring on, send us a tweet at Shalk America. Jack, uh, where can our followers find you on social media? At JM Mangan, J M M A N G A N on Twitter. 
Ah, very good. And I am your host, Richard Carmen. You can find me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next episode comes, my friend, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoes.